Here we go. Welcome to the Ministership Life again today. It's a brand new day. Every day is a brand new day in the Lord. And in the brand newness of who He is, there is a theme, and the theme is that God is love. And when we recognize that God is love, the easiest thing that we can do is respond back to his love. And we see what Jesus demonstrated to us. Love looked like a laying down of one's life. Love looks like a laying down of one's life. And that's what God did towards us. He did not withhold his only son, but with the son has given us everything we'll ever need and so much more and that is why we need the eyes of our understanding to be flooded with light so we'll be able to understand all that God has provided for us through the one one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ it truly takes a revelation it takes a revelation to understand the depth and the height and the width of the love of God it truly takes a working of the Holy Spirit who knows the mind of God to to be able to open up our knowing to his knowing and so today we'll continue on what we have been in and we've really have over the last little bit uh, from where we started in September of having confidence in the word of God the assurance of the word of God that the word of God is is sealed with the blood of Christ it's unbreaking it's unchanging it's forever established that we are now part of a new covenant a new covenant that was sealed in the blood through the broken body of our master Jesus that we now as partakers of this new covenant covenant that we are born born again born from above born from this incorruptible seed of the word of god born of jesus can we say that because jesus is the word of god jesus is that seed that seed that we are born out of the seed of abraham glory be to god and so my title for today is so right as we have meditated on 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 the the persuasion of knowing that the word of god is truth it's the word of god is truth whether you believe it or not truth is truth is unchanging truth, truth is not subject to whether i believe it or not truth truth is eternal it's established it's firm it, it is what it is but what we have been working what i believe the holy ghost has been doing is to persuade us that this word is truth indeed to persuade us that this this word is life to be lived out to persuade us that we do enter into knowing God more through the word of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and so then over the last maybe two three weeks we started moving into the Sabbath day rest of God that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and that when we believe the word of God being truth we can then enter we can enter into a rest because this persuasion of truth, this persuasion and assurance of, of an evidence and of a substance that we call faith, 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 provides a rest for us today. 
That when we believe that this word is truth and I'm situated in this word through my new birth, that I'm really planted in this stream of living water. This is the river that I go to daily. This is the river that I plunge in and I abide in to receive instruction, to receive mercy. This is the flow of God, of the Holy Ghost. And there's no higher flow than the flow of His Spirit in His Word. There's no greater liberty than the liberty that is found in the Word of God. The unctions of the Spirit are found in the Word. And when we abide and we situate ourselves in those deep streams of eternal life that we call the Word of God, all in life is born through our life. That is the fruit of eternal life that we are bearing because we've situated ourselves. Because of the mighty grace of God, we got born again so we can live out this divine life that we call the Sabbath day rest. Living out a finished work. Living out that which he said it is finished in John 19, in um, John's account of that moment. And so since I mentioned it, let's go there and then we'll, we'll go into Hebrews and trust the lead of the Spirit for this hour. In John 19, in John 19, Jesus said in verse 13, when Jesus had received the sour wine, the bitter, the bitter fruit of sin. When he took on the sourness of our trespass and wickedness, the bitterness of this curse, the one that intoxicates and leads to debauchery. When he took on the wine of the world that has mesmerized many, the wine of Satan, the sour wine. Ha! He became a curse for us. He became sin for us so that he can state it is finished for us now. That he took the entire curse. He took the entire unrighteousness of sin and became sin at that moment as he took on that sour, that sour wine. He then said it is finished for you, brother and sister now. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He completed the assignment. He completed the assignment. What was the assignment? The assignment is that he become a curse for us. That he take on the wrath of sin, the wrath of God, the entire wrath of God, the penalty that was due for sin. He took all of it for all humanity, not just for you singularly or for me, although he did that, but for the entire corporate humanity and when he took it that crushed him that crushed him he took the weight and took him down to the pit of hell because that's what sin does it takes him down to the pit of hell but for us because he became that sin we now that sin power is finished it's done it's completed so we can be the righteousness made the righteousness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ Paul writes to Corinthians what power 
power was manifested and demonstrated and released to when he said, it is finished. It is finished. The toil is over. Trying to please God and never being able to please God because of a sin consciousness, of a sin nature, that those bulls and the goats and the blood of them could not, could not purge a guilty conscience. It could not. The Old Testament fault was found in it, the Old Covenant, because it could not consecrate once and for all the conscience of men towards God. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. The power of the blood of Christ. Oh my who are we today? The most precious, the most precious, precious, uh, I wouldn't even want to say belonging, but a life of God. We are divine expression of his love. We are his love tokens. We are his love beings. We are of God today. We are of God today. We are of life. We are of love today. Let that truth unshackle the frailty of a fallen mindset. Let it unchain you from this deadly world communication of never good enough, of always failing. Love never fails and you are an object of his affection. He doesn't see that in you. I have a title for today he gave me this morning. Rest is to find your life. Rest is to find your life. I could have titled it, Rest is to forsake all for him. I could have titled it, Rest is to find God. But God who is love puts no obligation on you. And he gave me the title, Rest is to Find Your Life. See, when we say, you got to find God, you got to find God. There is a weight of obligation. But when we say it's to find your life, there is a desire. All of us want to know life. All of us want to be found in this rest of life. And the only way we can attain to this rest is through this divine living word. And yes, there is a forsaking of one's old life, but that's nothing but joy to us now. Nothing but joy to us now. And over the last couple of weeks, we looked up in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the life of Abel and Enoch. And the next on the line is Noah, but I will save that for the following week. I won't touch on Noah again because there's a progression I believe the Holy Ghost is taking me through. And so this message comes right in the middle of it because this message is part of verse 6. This message is part of verse 6. We did 4, we did 5. And so we looked at Abel and how it was his utmost pleasure really to give his very best to God. A most excellent sacrifice. More excellent than his brother Cain. And through this desire that he had to lay down the life of that lamb. To lay down the life of the lamb. For God 
We see that desire of God laying down his lamb for us. A most excellent sacrifice. So we can now lay down this lamb, the life of this lamb that I am, to God. A most excellent sacrifice to God we are today. A living sacrifice because we have, we have decided that it's worth it. That our utmost pleasure and desire is to find his life. It's to find and obtain our life in him. Our new life. Our new reset. Our new, our new beginning. Our new, our new creation moment. And so we too, like Abel, offer a more excellent sacrifice. By how? Choosing to what? Renew our mind. That's all. That's all. That's all. It's changing mindset. Changing mindset. How? The only way is you put this fire of the word of God. You put this living entity of the word of God and allow the power that is found in this word to transform you. It's not by works. It's not by works lest you boast, lest you decide I'm smarter than so and so because I put a lot more Bible verses in my mind. No, no. It is by grace, you see. Even to the saving of our soul. It's as we believe the word of God. There is inherent power in this word to transform you. From glory to glory. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians, it is even by the spirit. This transformation, this metamorphosis, this ascension onto that mount of transformation, that you be transfigured into his image, that you be seen as who you truly are, pure light beaming. It is by the Spirit, as he discloses Jesus to us, who is the Word of God. And so we spend a little bit of time on Abel. And how because of it, he obtained a witness that he was righteous through this one most excellent sacrifice. We too, the sacrifice of Jesus, have the same witness as Abel. That we are righteous in his sight now. Because why? He took the sour wine of the world and cried out, It is finished. And gave up the last breath. So we can have our first breath in righteousness, in rest, in joy, in validation, in approval from God. Because the gifts were testifying to God. And through it, he being dead still speaks. And so we spoke on that as well that was two weeks ago that we are now a life-giving spirit that we speak from this place of reckoning the old man dead and that puts us right into Enoch that he walked with God and was no more I wanted to look at Enoch's story the way it was written in the um in Genesis chapter 5 Enoch lived 365 years. This is verse 24 right here. Walking in close fellowship 
with God. And this is what we are about. Walking in close fellowship with God. And my Bible just says walking with God and was no more. But I like how the New Living amplifies it and that it's walking in fellowship with God. And so from this fellowship that he had with God, he did not see death. He did not see death. By faith, Enoch was taken away, but he did not see death. You see, when you are in fellowship with the living God, when you know you're one with him, you also know that Jesus has already tasted death for you. So you don't even see death. You don't smell death. There's no dying in your fellowship with God. There's no death in the place of the living. And that's why, that's why at the tomb, at the tomb when the ladies were looking for Jesus, what was the statement? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see, within the living, there's nothing dead. And so that's why, because of Enoch's fellowship with the living God, he did not see that all his soul was God. All his soul was God. All his soul was life. All he knew was life. And look what this, this, this a perspective, this outlook, this mind renewal looked like on God's end. Very pleasing it was to God. When you only see life, when you only see hope, when you only see mercy, when you only see love, that is very pleasing to God because it's communicating to him. You're seeing him. You have so many songs and so often we catch ourselves saying it. I want to see God. I want to see God. Do you see love? Do you see life? You are seeing God. And so we sing these songs. We catch ourselves in this moment of desire, not realizing that we do see God. But what happens is we don't keep our gaze on love. We don't keep our gaze on life. We go back into the world and get highly distracted. And without a reckoning of an old life dead, we'll be always tossed and constantly stumbling and always crying out, I want to see God. When God is saying, you do see me. You are before me. You're in him. Before him, Ephesians says, we are. Holy and blameless in his sight. We do see him. And so this testimony of Enoch was very pleasing to God. If we continue that verse, actually let's start from beginning five. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found, was not found. Why? Because he found God. <laughs> because he to the forsaking of an old life when you forsake your old life we're going to go through the gospels and look at those verses our old life can't find us you want your flesh not to find you <laughs> finding new life in God <laughs> 
What a pleasure in that statement. What a delight. What an ease. And this is the rest. The rest in finding your life. And then your old life. They used to buddy up with you all the time. Doubt, unbelief, fear, and torment, anguish, stress. Can't find you. He was, he was what? Not found. Because God had taken him. Why had God taken him? Because Enoch fellowship with the living God. And he became one with this, the one that he fellowship with. How powerful. And of course, last week we looked at, we're actually better off than Enoch because we're now born again. Born of God. We already are in him. We already are of him. And all that's holding us back is a carnal mindset that we are to forsake. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so verse 6, without faith. And so this is to find your life. Looks like walking by faith. The just shall live by faith. I keep saying the just shall walk by faith because we know that the just don't walk by sight, but they walk by faith, right? And so living and walking is really synonymous to me. To live out, it's to walk out this divine salvation. And it looks like faith. Us living in faith, it's us walking in faith. And so Enoch walked in faith and it pleased God because only faith pleases God. Faith looks like only beholding a life and love and forgiveness and mercy and justice and truth. Without that persuasion, without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to him, he who comes to God, must believe that he is. You see, we come to God in the spirit. We don't come to God in the flesh. Flesh is an enemy to God. You don't approach God through your earthly man. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. And that's why anything that's of the, all that is of the spirit, it is faith. Faith is of the Spirit because we, such same as Abraham, believed what God said. And that belief, that faith was reckoned, was imputed on Abraham as righteousness. And so it is imputed on us as righteousness. Just because we believed when he said it is finished. It's not very complicated. It's not very complicated. It is just childlike belief. I actually just wrote a blog about Mary. And it was titled, it was titled, my blog was titled, I forget <laughs> what my blog was titled. Um, oh, time to enter into rest. Time to enter into rest. And, um, and I spoke of Mary how she demonstrated to us childlike, pure faith expression towards God. Let it be done unto me according to your word, Lord. 
And then to those servants at that wedding, she said, do whatever he says. Whatever he says, just do it because it would work just fine. Just fine. This word will work just fine for my life. And that is more of the spirit. That is a revelatory. That's not just a, a little saying that we can say like a little band-aid. I can say that and I can just carry on any old carnal way. No, it's an expression of your heart, a trusting heart towards God. And that's what's pleasing to God. Not the carnal man that can only produce strife and dissension. Because he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, did God reward Abel? Did God reward Enoch? Yes. What was the reward in Abel's case? The though dead, he's still speaking. The God is still communicating about this most excellent sacrifice, which really was a prototype of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not holding anything back. What was Enoch's? What was Enoch's reward for walking by faith in fellowship with the living God? He did not see death. And he obtained a testimony of pleasing the living God. He is a rewarder. And so today, do not hold back. Do not hold back from God your old ways. Lay them down. Don't hide yourself like Saul was King Saul before he became a king in the midst of the, the, the donkeys and the luggage. Don't go hiding in the burdens of your old life. Afraid. Afraid of what? Of love. Love. We're not afraid of love. What does love do? Perfect. Perfected love. Matured revelation of the love of God. Casts out fear. Come a little closer to him today. Come a little closer to him today. And watch his love apprehend you more and more. And flush out that fear and torment. Let's go to... I, I looked at... The four of the Gospels have this verse. And so let's go to Matthew. We're going to start with Matthew first. Matthew 10. 39 is the verse. We're going to go to, well, let's start. This is a, a very strong verse to start with, but it's just how this very first word, this verse was mentioned. This is the context. So I'll just have to read the context of this verse. It's the, the, the law first mentioned, right? So do not think that I came, this is verse 34 in Matthew 10. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. See, the word of God is a sword and brings forth a great division from everything that is carnal and not of the spirit because the word of God is spirit. The word of God is true and separates us 
from all untruth and there's no life found in the truth. And so when you abide in the word of God, this sword of truth starts removing all lie. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies will be those of his own household. Well, oftentimes we learn carnal ways within our household. And so we, when we become born again, the primary persecution tends to be if our families are born again to come from our own household because carnal ways don't want to let go of us. Carnal ways want to hold on and have dominion. But when we become born again, we get, we, be, we have become transferred into a brand new dominion of the kingdom of the son whom God loves. And so at that moment, we start seeing a separation from all natural moments of life. And that's the context of this verse. Don't go and, and, and be not nice to your mom and dad. That does, that's not what this is saying. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The same context. Our first love is he himself, the living word, Jesus. Verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Well, we so able to take his cross. And did not shrink back from giving that most excellent sacrifice. We see the same thing with Enoch. He followed after God. He fellowshiped with God, which means he had to forsake the old ways. Because he was found no more. God took him all to himself. He who finds his life will lose it. This is it. This is the verse that the title came from. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. It is for his sake. When we, when we lose our old life for his sake, that looks like following after Jesus alone. That looks like following the voice of the good shepherd alone. That looks like not following a stranger's voice and a strange desire of the flesh. That looks like not allowing the influence of the world to mar your walk with God. That one is actually finding his or her life and is entering into the rest of faith because it's only by faith can you pursue the faith God. Only by faith can you follow after the voice of the Spirit. It is out of the unction that's found in your new man. And a new man who's made in the image and likeness and holiness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your new man is a man of faith. The new man walks in faith. The new man is the righteous one, born from above. And so we yield to him alone. I mean, it's beyond gender, a spirit man. A spirit man. You yield. You yield to the leader of the spirit. 
that is found in a new man. He who finds his life will lose it. He who finds that carnal expression of life loses it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The next is in chapter 16 and it builds on the case. Let's go 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, if anyone desires to come after me, this is what the rest of fate looks like, by the way. The rest of fate is not you fleshing out and giving your flesh a reprieve. The rest of fate is not you giving an expression to your flesh. The rest of fate looks like a crucifixion to the old man. So you can now be solely alive unto God. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What profit is there if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So that tells me that when you follow after him, when you forsake all for his sake, you're actually gaining him. You're gaining eternal life and losing the whole world. And we know what functions in the whole world. What functions? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And all of them lead into sin, and the wages of sin is death. So when we forsake death of carnal living, we are gaining life. And it's profiting. And that's why Jesus says the flesh profits for nothing. But what profits is the things of the Spirit. The Word of God profits us. Following after Him is a profit to us. And why is it a profit? Because we're gaining a life eternal. Let's go to Mark. Mark 8, 35. Let's start um, 34. When he had called the, the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me. You see, we look at Abel's testimony, we look at Enoch's, and, and we're going to go through the chapter of the heroes of faith in, in chapter 11, the book of Hebrews, as, as, as he leads us, of course. And we don't at times really see it in the context of our own Christian life and what Jesus speaks to us, that faith looks like a denial of an old existence. Faith looks like Father Abraham looking from afar off that heavenly city and knowing that he's a sojourner, that he with Jacob and um, with Isaac and Jacob dwelt in tents. He was a sojourner. And that's what Peter says, that we are sojourners. We are pilgrims in this world. And in this pilgrimage, there's nowhere you can lay your head, just like Jesus said. 
You keep following after him. Not time to slumber. Not time to fold your little hands and ponder a little more. If it's worth it, it is worth it. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, it's neat how he just keeps building the case in, in what this looks like. For whoever is ashamed of me, which means is when I try to protect my own little life, when I choose not to forsake the old man and to reckon that old man dead, I am ashamed of him. Whoever is ashamed of me, you're protecting your little identity that you're Christian. I'm not going to talk about Jesus because I'll be persecuted. Well, you are supposed to be persecuted just like your master. Whoever is ashamed of me, Whoever is ashamed of me, I'm too shy, I'm too shy. Whoever is ashamed of me, he says, in my words, look, the context, we can truly identify it is the hour right now. Whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, it will cost you your reputation. But that's good. Because you're not, you'll not be known as part of this sinful generation. You'll not be embraced by this sinful generation. The one that's ashamed of him and his words in this evil generation, right? Of him, the son of man also will be ashamed. Though he laid down his life for you. In, 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 in Matthew, he talks about an, an instance where someone will come to him and say, no, we did all these works of miracles, even casting out demons. And he says, away from me. I never knew you. Of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Let's go to John. Let's see how John builds on it. In John 12. I remember when I got born again, listening to these messages, and initially they were thrill, and then at some point thereafter, they were very hard messages. And I moved away from these messages of forsaking all. I started listening to only messages of God loves me, God loves me, which I already knew God loves me. But because God loves me, I lay down my life. Because God loves me, I choose to follow after him alone. And that looks like forsaking of an old life and not losing my new life in him. And in this last little while, I'm being driven back into, led back into this moment that we live for God alone and that we'll give an account of the life we lived in the flesh. And we're not going to be ashamed of him in this hour. We're not going to be ashamed of him in this hour. John 12:25 Look at the context here now in 23 but Jesus answered them and saying this is this is his hour where he was going to lay down his life right He's not asking you to do anything he hasn't done for you 
And, and a laying down of our life, really, a laying down of our life is actually the ultimate freedom. And that's why God placed it this way. Rest is found. Rest is to find your life because at that moment we're coming into newness of life. We're coming into hope eternal. We're coming into life himself. We're coming into joy divine. We are entering into the benefits of the kingdom of God that are in the Holy Ghost of righteousness, of peace and joy. Oh, it's far more better. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians that, you know, we walk, we walk by, by faith, not by sight. And that that which we see, it's temporal. It's passing. It's subject to change. But that which we do not see that is of the spirit of faith, it is eternal, eternal. It has lasting value. And so here Jesus in his at last hour, he says, the hour has come and the son of man, that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is his last hour. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. So unless you die, what happens then? It's no profit to you. But when, when you allow the old man to no longer have a voice in your life, if it dies, it produces much grain. Because life is of the spirit and that more abundant and that more abundant. He gave, came to give you life and that more abundant and that more abundant. And this abundance is found in your new life, which means you can't be carnal, buddy. You can't be carnal and walking in the abundance of his life. It's not possible. You can't enjoy your life of sin. And walk in the abundance of the newness of life. We do walk from glory to glory and there is a transformation. So if you're caught in a snare, you're coming out. You're coming out, but you're pressing just like Paul. You're found in the press, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She was found in the press and in that press, Jesus is. Says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. That's the abundant life, wholeness in him and through him alone. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is your gain. Eternal life is your gain. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Not ashamed of him. If anyone serves, oh, I love this. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. It's worth it. Oh. If anyone serves me, Jesus says, if ever anyone chooses to deny the old corrupted existence of the world, by yielding to it, by yielding to those carnal thoughts, by yielding. When we see ourselves 
after our new creation, we see life and it's most pleasing to God. That's what pleased God when he walked with Enoch. Enoch only saw God. He fellowshiped with God. He only saw God. And so today, that is our portion. It is to see God alone. And when we walk this way, if I read verse 26 again, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves him, serves me, him, my father will honor. Oh, glory be to God. You know, I, would, I think I'm just going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. There's a lot to meditate in just this message. And then next week, I'll give a couple of examples. And then we're going to move into the very next verse of um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, the story of Noah. Amen. Glory be to God. We are done. So what was the title for today? Rest is to find your life. Amen.